Welcome to Amplify, the Revolution Her podcast, dedicated to uplifting, empowering, and amplifying women's voices globally. Our community is a powerful collective of women who are ready to live the lives they always dreamed they would. Together, our strength as inspiring and ambitious women is truly unstoppable. I'm Maria Locker, founder and CEO of Revolution Her. And I'm your co-host, Grace Moores, founding partner of Revolution Her. And today we're talking about protecting our futures through financial literacy with Tanya Hales. Now, Tanya is an award-winning TEDx speaker and creative storyteller using various mediums to evoke emotions, create change, build movements, and color in white spaces. She is the founder of Black Moms Connection, an online global village of almost 30,000, and a national nonprofit providing culturally relevant programs and resources to educate and empower the Black mother and her family. She is now a thought leader on Black motherhood, recently doing a TEDx Toronto talk on the very subject. She and her words can be found in and on CBC, Global TV, City News, Globe and Mail, and other incredible publications and news outlets. She was the 2019 Bank of Montreal BMO for Women Award recipient for Community and Charitable Giving, the 2020 L'Oreal Woman of Worth honoree, and selected as one of Canada's top 25 women of influence in 2021. From editorial and social media copywriting to racial representation and public speaking, Tanya brings her fresh brand of authenticity everywhere she goes, using the power of storytelling to change the world. This woman has been a part of our community for quite a few years now. She's been one of our uh, award finalists. We love her. Please help us welcome Tanya Hales. Welcome. Hi. It's always (laughs) so weird to listen to your bio be read. Like, it's just bizarre. (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome that's an awesome bio I love yeah. it congratulations on the, all that amazing work <laughs> and we we love like we've been following along like I remember when you posted about you know the L'Oreal woman um honoree like and you know going to the gal and stuff like it's just we love cheering you on like so you got to own that that's that's part of your journey and it, it inspires other people around you so kudos to you thank you I appreciate it <laughs> so humble look she's like you can't see her but she's like okay let's move on (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh well we're gonna start right at the beginning because like I said you know you've been part of our community for quite a while you know we've been fortunate to have you speak at a few of events and we want to start with our listeners you know if this is the first time they're hearing about you or Black Moms Connection I'd love if you can share about the community and and how it started because that's really been the catalyst For sure. So uh, for me, BMC, it starts with a story because everything starts with a story. I was at a splash pad with my son who was two at the time. He's now 10. And uh, I asked myself a question that I've never had to ask of myself was, do they make sunscreen for black people? It was a very Mm -hmm. hot, hot day. And, you know, he's two. And I was like, oh, gosh. I should find something, but fun fact, the the copper tones and the other stuff of the world, they don't really blend in to black skin. We end up looking like Casper the ghost. So, and you know, like most Gen X millennial moms, I was in mom groups on Facebook, but they weren't very diverse spaces. 
So I asked 12 of my friends, if I started this thing, would you join? They said, yes, because it's me. And then I was like, okay, great. And then, you know, slowly but surely it grew. But in the spring of 2016, we went from 400 to 4,000 in two months. And I was like, oh, well, this is a thing. (laughs) And uh, later on that year, we incorporated as a nonprofit because I wanted to make sure our support is tangible. We could take it offline, get some coins to do the things to support the moms. And it continues to grow and be a safe space for Black moms to share about the specific challenges of being a Black mom. Some things are universal. We all got to figure out how to get them to eat more vegetables, how soon is too soon for a cell phone, right? Those things are universal to all parents, but there are certain things that are very much specific to Black moms, uh, teaching our children about racism, um, how to, you know, be a teen in the malls for the very first time and deal with uh, racial profiling. So, you know, it is a really important space and, and that's why it's grown to to be the size that it is, which is um, amazing. Can you tell us a bit more about how it looks today? Yeah, so we celebrated our eighth, we turned eight on wow. June 16. <laughs> and my my brain can't compute it. But I also think in terms of my son, right? So he's like, I, it's grown up with him. Um, so yeah, we've got nine sub chapters. So we'll have moms who say the big group is great, but we want to talk to moms who live where we live. So we have sub chapters, a few in the US, a few in Canada, even one in Asia, which makes me happy. And we have moms all around the world who join and you know, ask questions and ask for support and ask for love and ask for advice. And uh, it's beautiful. And, you know, I think that that's, I'm, I, yes, I'm the founder, but for me, I'm just like, I'm just a captain of a ship. Like it, it became much bigger than me a long time ago. And it's my job to, to make sure it doesn't crash into icebergs and that it's going in the right direction. Yeah, I always remember when you applied, when you were in the the awards, actually, and um, there was a lady in the US that had planned, was having a baby shower and nobody turned up. And the fact that you all rallied together and did an online baby shower for this woman. And it was just, oh, my gosh, I just remember it was so... The space that you provide and the support that you give your community, and um, it's it's just incredible. I love what you're doing. But can you? Um, I'd like you to share a little bit more about your, the Finlit U, um, how that started, how it came about, um, and why it came about. Sure. Um, it's so funny that you bring up that that virtual baby shower. I always forget about that until I'm reminded of it, and and that was before Zooms and all. Yeah. These- it took us a lot of work to figure it out. And imagine being a 20 year old or in your 20s um, and you're excited about your your baby shower. She had posted a picture of her cupcakes. And the next day she comes in and said no one showed up. And, you know, prior to uh, us obviously starting recording today, we we're just talking about how people don't show up to events anymore, you know, depending on what their mental is that morning. But everyone thinks, oh, I'm one person. If I don't show up, they're not, I'm not going to be missed. And if multiple people do that for something that's already small, yeah. very noticeable. And, and people don't have the same regards for how much work goes into planning an event, but that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it really started out so genuine. One mom was like, Hey, do you have a registry? And she didn't. So she had to make one. 
And then she had to make one that Canadian moms could support. And then it just became this tsunami. And I was like, wait, don't open anything. Let's have a shower. And then she was in Las Vegas. I'm in Toronto and she's opening her onesies. And we're all doing the same thing that happened at every baby shower from the beginning and until the end of time. You're ooing and aahing over onesies and bottles and I'm weeping on my couch. Just, just. I was <laughs> weeping just reading your your story. It was, yeah. oh, it was so inspiring and so oh. it was just so much joy in there for something that started out, yeah, not having much joy. But by the end, it was just wonderful. Well, and you must like that builds trust, right? So then to to start talking about money, I mean, that's a really sensitive topic for a lot of yeah. people, right? So Finlet, you then comes in the picture. Right. Tell us about that. So financial literacy uh, became one of our core pillars kind of by accident, but not really. It was just us paying attention to what the moms were talking about. And I always say to people, I'm really um, lucky that BMC is a business. It's a nonprofit organization, but it's still a business in which the community came first, which means I always know what problem I'm solving because they are always talking about it and telling you. So we had our very first conference after we incorporated in August 2017. Full day, a wide variety of topics and sessions. And I had two on financial literacy. And so the second one of the day was like credit, saving, budget. I don't even remember what it was, but I was like just basic financial things. I thought no one's really going to go to this, but a financial institution was a sponsor. I thought it would be nice to throw it in there. I put it in the basement in a small breakout room. I'm a former event planner, y'all. You would like to think that I would know what I'm doing (laughs) on that particular front. I go downstairs, the walls are concave and people are sitting on the floor. I was like, oh, oh, oh no. Meanwhile, like the main stage had a big space and everyone's jam packed into this little itty bitty space, hanging on the words of this person talking about financial literacy. And I was like, wait, what? So (laughs) in (laughs) March 2018, we launched the very first Finlit Summit, which was a full day of that. Because I was like, okay, well, clearly one hour is not enough. Let's have a full day. And the primary thing that's really key is that all the facilitators are Black. You know, the conversations amongst the Black community. And like you said, Grace, like money is a really sensitive topic for people. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of trauma. There's There's a lot. Mm-hmm. And you need to be able to be comfortable in the room with the people around you, but also who's teaching you because they have a, a cultural understanding of where you're coming from. So that was great. The mom said, can we bring our partners? So I was like, sure. And I was just like, you know, th- they were like, can we, you know, I, it was really interesting to to n- expand all of our events to that point where for, for moms only, but I was just like, if you're in a, married or partnership, you don't make financial decisions in a silo. So it was very interesting. So we pivoted to be, you know, a financial literacy conference for and by the Black community and did that for a few years in person. Of course, the world kind of shut down. Um, We paused for a year or so. We came back last year to do it virtual only, expanded to two days Because again, you like to think, okay, a whole day, it's a lot. And then 45 minutes goes by and then it's over. So um, really excited to to come back. 
We're doing hybrid this year um, at the end of April on the 29th and 30th. And, um, you know, still two days. But to me, again, as an event planner, it's still not enough. So <laughs> I had an idea to expand it. And that's what uh, when Finlit U was born. So Finlit U is an eight week, five hours on a Saturday, five hours, 10 to two, four hours. <laughs> Um, but basically I've stolen your whole entire day. Each week is a different topic with a different black financial professional. So it's credit, it's savings, it's investing, it's wills and estate planning, it's generational wealth, it's entrepreneurship. Um, it's eight weeks and it's very intense. But once we saw, you know, people, once we launched and we had 200 people apply in the first 24 hours, I was like, oh, okay, so we're yeah. doing something right. And um, so this is the third year of the test grant that we got from Trillium Foundation. And the testimonials are so beautiful. I mean, I'm a sap, so I'm going to cry at basically anything like a sequential, <laughs> a serial commercial. Like it, it doesn't take much. But to know that moms have, um, we had a single mom who purchased her first home um, we had a mom who knocked out $20,000 in debt. We had other moms who finally like bit the bullet and, and wrote their wills and, and got, you know, insurance for themselves and for their children. And those are tangible things that are going to have huge impacts on the mom. Sure. But also the family. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I don't take for granted, you know, just having, an idea could lead to something so big and monumental. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. And they, they tell us, you know, that they've increased their confidence and their competence and their literacy, which are our three main goals of the program and anything that we do find Finlit wise. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing and I'm, I'm so proud of it and yeah, it's overwhelming. Ah. It's amazing, though, even just to hear those successes that have come out of it, right? And, you know, those are our little wins, but they're big wins. They're, yeah. you know, when you think of it, um, you know, we think, sure, I, I studied what algebra in high school, but wouldn't it have been awesome if someone had actually taken the time to sit me down and tell me about budgeting and, you know, salaries and savings and all of that stuff. So the fact that you're able to do that in such a trusting community. Um, and you're giving back that way, I, I think it's huge. So if someone wants to find out about Finlit U or your uh, upcoming conference, they can find that on Black Moms Connection, right? Yeah. And we have a specific website devoted to that. So finlitu.com, because I'm a buyer of domains before I have an idea. <laughs> and uh, yeah, if, there is, if there's any interest in supporting the event um, as a sponsor or attending the event, as a member of the Black community, then, you know, please do uh, reach out if you have any questions. I love it. So if someone's listening right now, though, and they're like, okay, you know, I want to just at least kind of start down that path for financial literacy. What would you say is, you know, some of the the top things that you recommend, you know, to people, to Black people specifically? What what would be kind of like your top two recommendations for someone who needs this? 
I would say the number one thing is financial advice is free. I think people have this misconception that only rich people have financial advisors and that you have to pay them a lot of money. No. (laughs) I remember when I found that out, I was like, wait, what? I can just consistently ask these people to help me with my budget and my saving plans and my goals and I don't have to pay them? No, because they get paid on the back end in other ways and the pots that they sell you and the connections that they have to the institutions. So you don't come out of pocket for advice from a professional. And so do your research. I would say, you know, ask people, you know, for personal recommendations. I think that that's always the best way to go. Um, But that's the number one thing is if you've never, if you haven't had a lifetime of being taught financial literacy by your parents, which a lot of us have not, um, then you can't do it alone. It's like, trying to lose weight and say, I'm going to go to the gym, but not really having a plan, not having an idea of like what your actual goals are. Is it to lose weight? Is it to tone up? Like, obviously there's different exercises for different things. And this is no different. I think it's really important to understand that. And you can't understand that on your own. And so that's my number one piece of advice this person becomes a trusted, they're not just a financial advisor. Mine end up being part therapists <laughs> and, you know, they're cheerleaders and they're mentors, right? Because they are helping you with a really big part of your life that affects everything else, right? Are you going to go for that job promotion? What is that going to mean for your savings goals and your tax bracket and all these other things? Um helping you find a proper accountant, or if you're an entrepreneur, finding a good bookkeeper, it all trickles down. And so you create your own financial team. And again, these people, other than accountants, obviously, and bookkeepers, but your financial advisor is not taking money from you because it, and it helps them to see you succeed. Because then of course they can Mm -hmm. say, oh, my client has done X, Y, and Z and purchased a house in four years and all these other things. Um, So that's number one. And really ask a lot of questions. If you don't have an advisor and you feel intimidated by that, go into your bank and say, pick an advisor, please. And they will give you one and they will sit down. And of course, they're going to sell you that particular institution's products. But at the very least, then you have a person. And um, while banking has shifted a little bit and they're not making calls to you on a regular basis, at least, you know, okay, I'm going to schedule a quarterly call with my advisor at the bank. And we're going to talk about why my savings aren't growing and how aggressive I want to be and what I'm trying to save for and all these other things. So they're there, they're paid by the bank. Um, Their job is to keep as much as your money in house as possible. So we'll use that to your advantage. Um, and ask a lot of questions. So much of what our facilitators are teaching in Finland U are things that we should all know and don't. And there's a reason for it. It doesn't behoove a society for the 99% to have the information that the 1% use. Mm. Well, I love that. Yeah. It doesn't. So um, that's why we're not learning these things in schools. Mm-hmm. It's very useful. 
right? You need a society of worker bees and, you know, (laughs) they all know the the tips and, and tricks on how to maximize their savings, X, Y, and Z, you know, a TFSA for your Canadian listeners, tax-free savings account is not a savings account. It's an investment tool. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, what? Then why does it have the word savings account in it? And again, purposeful, right? Because they want people to just like, oh, I contribute to my TFSA every month, week, whatever. No, it's it's really like an RESP or another investment tool where you can say, I want to be aggressive because my son's graduating high school in 10 years and I want to make sure that there's X amount of dollars for him for school, right? It's having those conversations. It's not just an account, but they sold it so terribly (laughs) or maybe on purpose for people to just bare minimum and just not really get much out of it. The bank is using your money to make, to invest for other people to make them more money and give you pennies. So yeah. it's really a matter of like asking so many questions and knowing what your goals are. You know, mine is not to buy. I live in Toronto. I'm not buying a house anytime soon. I'm, I've reconciled that and I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Travel for me is what financial freedom looks like. It's I see a fair sale to Europe. I can book it and go and have an amazing time and create memories with my son. You know, and when he graduates from high school, there's money for him to go to school. Those are my two main financial drives in life. Um, it's different for other people depending on the stage that they're at. So it's interesting you mentioned that actually. I, and I like I love the fact that your eight week course covers so much, whether it's credit, like you mentioned, credit, savings, investing, wills, estate planning, entrepreneurship. There's so much there. Um, do you find that there's like when people initially join, what's the where is where's their focus? Like I mean, obviously, as you learn, you you realize there's more areas, but do people generally come in with one main goal around financial literacy and then obviously walk away with so much more? But uh, is, do you, are you, is it debt? Is it investing? Is it like, where's that, that initial need that people are coming in for? That's a great question. I would say it really depends. It's also, yeah. right, like before the, all these crypto bubbles burst, investing yeah. was really hot because it became a thing. There's the Wealth Simples and the Quest Trades and the Robin Hoods. There's all these new tools to get regular people into the stock market. And then crypto was supposed to be another way of equalizing how to get rich really quickly and, and you know, trying to learn how to navigate this wild, wild west called crypto. I don't, I don't see that anymore. And, and we know what we know now. So it's yeah. not something that we, we push. Um, but I would say overall, it's how to make more, how to save more and how to plan for their children's future. Yeah. Those are the, the three, um, the discussions that we saw back in 2017 to, to now. And probably even more so now, there's so much more need for support um, we see requests every day for financial support in the space and it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And, you know, butter is $7. Like it's, an, it's isn't yeah. that crazy? It's absolutely crazy. I know. 
I know a dozen eggs is six bucks, right? And so you're kind of like, you know, you want to be able to move forward in a way, but that when your finances are kind of like a week by week or every two weeks kind of um, stringent plan, you're you're a little hamstrung. So I, I love that, you know, it sounds at least that people are coming in with very basic needs that predetermine exactly how successful they're going to be. Uh, And you're able to offer insights for them because it should be easier. It should be clearer. Um, And it's not. So I'm very excited that you can offer that. Now, I want to shift a little bit, not too much, but shift a little bit because you just did a TED talk recently. And uh, like I said, we've been kind of, you know, cheering you on and watching your journey, but that looked like such an incredible experience. Can you share a bit more about that? Oh, gosh. Um, Before I do, I just want to add one last antidote to the financial literacy thing. So our very first cohort, our very first session started out with just budget. We're just like, let's start at the basics. And there's a a tool on the Government of Canada's website where it's like a household budget. You put in all the things and it helps you figure out how much money you have left at the end of the month. And it got to hair. And it said the average Canadian spends $30 on hair on a, per month or something like that. And a room full of Black women, we started laughing because our hair care products cost us $30. And the reason why I, I shared this story and why it's poignant is because now when a Black person uses that particular tool, knowing that it's not made with them and they're not considered the average Canadian. So it's not that you're bad at budgeting. It's that the tools that you're using are not made for people who have to buy cultural foods and mm-hmm. cultural hair care products. And that shift is a huge thing, right? Because so much of us say, oh, I'm bad with money. I'm bad at math. I'm bad with whatever. Is it that you're bad or is it that eggs are $6 and butter is $7 and you like to bake, right? Oh. <laughs> and primary ingredients. So I think it's just really a lot of it is, um, and there's sometimes there's pushback against financial literacy courses, like, oh, you can't financial literacy your way out of poverty. You just need to make more. And I'm like, well, yes, but how do you learn how to advocate for yourself and ask for a raise and ask your credit card company to drop the interest rate or bully your bank into making your TFSA something more useful for you? right? All of those things go together. You level up in life. You can't change what the price of your rent is unless you move, but you change how much money you make depending on certain things. So that's the end of my financial literacy section. But it's so important though. It's so important. Like you, that's so, that's so frustrating and it's so, um, but also like, you know, we're not, if you're fitting that normal category, you're not aware of what is going on outside and how that impacts other other groups, other other people. So it's it's so important that that it's shared and people are aware of it so that they can make the changes that need to. Like what you're doing is, I just I am so proud of you and just so great that you're I'm so great that you're doing it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As for TEDx, I listen to me. I, I speak. I've been on stages. I, you know, it's fine. When I was walking up the stairs and walking across the stage to stand on that red circle carpet, 
I was like, I regret every single decision that led me to this point. That is all that went through my mind walking across that TEDx stage. I have never been so nervous in my whole entire life. And I've given birth. Like I, it is a very, there's a reason why not just anyone gets these things and not anyone can just do them. And it's a very intense process. Uh, First of all, you have to be fought for. It's like Game of Thrones in the, the TEDx committee room. You, you know, I had a friend who's on the committee. He's like, do you want to do a TEDx talk? I'm like, what are you talking about? And I've had friends who have been on committees for like TEDx Don Mills and have pitched me. So this is not the first time I was pitched to do one. I think the first time I was pitched was 2018, got rejected. I think they pitched me again in 2019, got rejected. TEDx Toronto, new friend, new committee pitched me in what was last year, 2022? So yeah. pitch 2021, rejected. So this is wow. not a short process. Last year pitched me, last year was successful. That was um, January, I found out. February, I'm assigned a coach. You have to write an outline. You write your scripts. You do table reads in front of the coaches. You edit your scripts. And then you spend, you know, the rest of your time practicing because you have to memorize it. There's no, there's no confidence monitor. There's no nothing. And that was the part that was stressing me out the most because, you know, COVID has kind of shifted my brain and my memory a little bit. I feel yes. like it has for everybody. And I'm like, yeah. you want what now? <laughs> and it has to be a certain amount of time, which means that you can't speak too fast, which I tend to do sometimes when I'm nervous. So <laughs> it was, it, it was a lot. <laughs> It was just a whole lot. But, you know, I think for me, the the beautiful thing about it was being able to share the story of BMC and why it exists and why all of society should care about its existence. Um, When I use stats like 42% of all the children in care of Children's Aid Society of Toronto are Black and we're only 11% of the population in the city of Toronto or almost 50% of all black students will be suspended by the time they graduate high school and the Toronto District School Board. I'm just like, there's reasons why we need to exist because moms need support on those kinds of things. And um, yeah, one of the, the cool things was TEDx. So there's TED, there's TEDx, and then there's all the other TEDx's in the different cities and communities. So TEDx Toronto wasn't able to post my talk because TEDx wanted it on their YouTube channel, which of course amplified it even more. So by the time that they dropped the link and I opened it, it already had like almost 80,000 views in a week. And I was like, wait, what? That's crazy. (laughs) And then, so it was dropped in the summer and then I was on YouTube, I was on LinkedIn one day and this woman, I think it's just a passion project first. I don't know why she does it, but I love her for it. Uh, she reviews all the top TEDx's that have been viewed um, in the world. And I, I was in the top five and I'm like, that makes no sense. Oh my <laughs> she, gosh. Because the world is a very big place. So <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm immensely proud of that. I'm glad I got through it because, woo, let me tell you. <laughs> 
but that just goes to show you that perseverance that's needed all those rejections that you had like we we can't stop just because something doesn't work out or we get rejected on something you know we need to keep moving forward and keep persevering and keep going forward and it's the same with the the financial literacy you like you you we all need these skills we need to we need to do them we can't give up when somebody says no like we just have to keep going forward congratulations that's yeah immensely like that's just that's immense that's like it's huge that's huge and and just knowing that your words can affect someone else because you've seen up until now that the, the events that you put on the community that you've built you're having a real lasting effect and now that's rippled out into the rest of the world like that's just amazing and incredible and yeah we are and we know you we yeah. know you <laughs> <laughs> we can say we knew you when right yeah. so, <laughs> overall when i look I'm always, I'm a big planner person. And so like, I always do like a year end reflection and the good and the bad and the ugly. And when I look back on 2022, I was just like, a lot happened. A lot of great things happened. And I think the underlying themes, if you will, to my life and my successes have been a couple of things. One, I'm I'm me, right? Like I'm the same way I am with you right now is the way that I am on a TEDx page, the way that I am and in the House of Commons, talking to MPs, like I am the same everywhere. And when you're genuinely authentic and you're not putting on airs, trying to be an influencer quotations, but you're, you just become a person of influence because I think people just genuinely root for me because they're just like, you know, who's nice? Tanya, some people, people. and she amplifies when she can and she shares and there's just joy behind what I do. And when there isn't joy, I'm very honest about it. So I think that's just it because everything in my life is, has a result of other people putting my name in. Yeah. And while they're doing that, I'm just out here just trying to raise this kid and do things. Yeah. Right. Like I think genuinely I'm like, I'm just doing the work, hoping that it will be recognized in some way, shape or form. I think it's disingenuous to say no one wants to be recognized and doesn't like the accolades and and the validation. Right. But, and it's hard because you see people who make a lot of money being influencers and I'm like, I'm an influencer (laughs) and it drives me crazy. But then on the same front, I'm like, when you're invited to round tables with the prime minister, you're like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> right I'm like I I a paid influencer or I can be a person who has influence who has influence yeah. yeah and there's those are two very different things and they come with very different paychecks sometimes zero versus you know yeah I figures but, but we do I, need we yeah. we do need more people like you to have their voice on that microphone like Absolutely. and and I think that's it we've said for a long time you know there's a lot of really rich white men with the microphone blasting their ridiculousness. I'm just going to leave it at that. Right. And we need more women. We need more women of color. We need more conversations about what's actually needed and what actually can be done to make things better. And the fact that you're doing it, I'm all we can do is give you our mic. Right. And so I'm so glad that you could join us today to share because we have lots uh, of listeners who I think can appreciate all that you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate it. And and you, like you don't give yourself enough credit either, the both of you, um, for 
the work that you put in. I know how tireless it can be. I know how thankless <laughs> it can be. Um, and I think it's really important. I, you know, has all, you know, it's, it became, remember there's an era where it was really trendy to do like women's brunches and women's empowerment, this, that, yeah. the other. and I'm just like the people who have been doing it before became trendy and who continue to do it after, you know, COVID um, are the ones who were doing it for the right reasons. And that includes the both of you. So I wanted to give you flowers right back. <laughs> Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you, Tanya. Uh, this has been so enlightening and eye-opening. And uh, so definitely we're going to make sure we can share the TEDx um, link with our listeners. So you'll be able to find that with your bio. And we're going to make sure they can find information on Finlet, the Finlet conference that you've got coming up, because we want to make sure anyone who's listening, it's free to attend, you said, right? Like, again, yeah. an added yeah. bonus. Yeah, no barriers to learning about financial literacy. All of our programs are always free. Um, and in our, our events, um, 99% of our events are free. Um, it's at the Ontario Science Center because I want the children learning about science while the moms are learning about financial literacy. I shouldn't say moms, all people are learning about financial literacy. Um, that's very purposeful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's on-site childcare because, again, that's usually a barrier for parents to not attending things in person. So, yeah, it's really important Um you know, everything we do is very intentional with um, trying to remove as many obstacles and barriers as we possibly can. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, we are going to um, head into our rapid fire section because somehow already we're like, I don't know, we could talk about this all day with you. We love chatting with you. (laughs) Um, So before we head into rapid fire, what's coming up next for you once this conference is done, is there any way that anyone listening or ourselves, how can we support BMC and what you've got coming up? Um, well, as we talk right now, it's uh, almost tail end of January. Uh, February is going to be a very busy month for me. Um, people love talking to Black people in February only. Oh, yeah. So my calendar is gone bananas. Uh, which I love because I'll be able to like go on vacation in March break. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is very interesting. And that's a whole other conversation too, in terms of like, if you're really honest and genuine about your DEI, why are you only relegating it to February? But we would be here for 17 more hours if we really tried to unpack that. So yeah, I would say February is just really me doing a lot of talks um, to a lot of people. And I'm grateful for all those opportunities. Um, yeah, Finlet Summit, um, called In the Black this year, we, we did a rebrand because of course, when thing, when you're doing well financially, that's what it's called. And so I love it. After that, I don't know. Uh, Honestly, my life is very much a, Hey Tanya, do you want to do a next thing? And I'll be like, all right. Like (laughs) this week I'm doing a video shoot, uh, a national TV program reached out. They're like, we want to feature you for Black History Month. I'm like, Okay. So they'll be at my house on Friday. Um, I'll reveal what it is and when it is on the socials when I'm allowed to. And awesome. that's just the nature of my life, Maria. Like, Grace, you guys know. Like, people ask could, me, to yeah, yeah. I'm not quite sure. And then <laughs> I look back on, on the year and I'm like, well, that's a thing that happened. That's random. <laughs> Um, but amazing. So I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for whatever the year wants to throw at me and and where it takes me. And um, you know, grateful for all of it. 
Love it. I have to say too, we've, we've disconnected from Twitter, but you were one of my favorite accounts to follow. Cause like, so <laughs> you're like, as, like you said, you're just who you are. Right. So I'd, I would love your updates and I do miss your updates on Twitter. So I need to like, make sure I get notifications on Instagram. <laughs> oh yeah. Twitter is, I call Twitter my digital playground. And yes, you can go from enraged to enlightenment, to entertainment in literally 3.5 seconds. Um, But it's a platform like no other, right? Like the conversations that happen don't happen on Instagram. And uh, I'm I'm a person who loves words. And it's the only social media where words are what matters most. You don't need a picture. You can paint a picture with your 240 characters. On Instagram, you need a video and that requires editing. And then you pick a soundtrack. I'm like, I don't have the time or the patience for any of that. <laughs> but Twitter allows me to just like, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's also helped my copywriting career because when you need to write copy that's like, like short, succinct, snappy, Twitter has been my practice. And mm-hmm. now I get paid to do things. So I'm just like, eh. I'm just like, Twitter was like, you know. It was your training ground. I love it. I love it. All right. I'm going to let Grace lead with some rapid fire. Okay. This is just super easy. Yeah. Because we're going to be wrapping up. So Grace, go for it. Okay. You mentioned about Twitter. So I'm going to start there being like your digital playground. But what would be your guilty pleasure? Guilty pleasure? Stickers. Oh, that's a cool one. <laughs> it stems from never getting them when I was a child at Scholastic Bull Fair, Book Fairs. And now I can buy all the stickers that I want. Take that's that. awesome. <laughs> Take that. Those are still my favorite memories was Scholastic Book Fair. Okay. That's another whole podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, this one. What were your favorite subjects in school? What did little Tanya love to do? Oh, that's a really, that's a hard one. Um, I don't, I don't think I really had one. I'll say in high school, I loved law class. Um, And there was a point where I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer. And then I went to Ottawa U and at the time this, and this may have just been a rumor to be wholly honest, if you went to Ottawa U's law school, because it's a French first school, some of your classes would have had to have been in French. And I'm like, law's hard enough. No, thank you. So (laughs) thus ending Tanya's potential lawyer career. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just, I, law really intrigued me. So I'll go with that one. I like it. All right. What does self-care look like for you? I mentioned stickers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, truly, I think, um, yeah, sitting down with my planner and like, it's like water plant sticker. I'm like, I did water my plants on Sunday. Thank you. And just really looking at what I did that week, what I was supposed to do that week. um, That's fun for me. That's, and also because both of my hands are engaged, I can't multitask. I can't be on my phone and plan. So I think that that is probably one of the primary ways that I engage in self-care. Oh, I love that. I got to get more stickers. I think you might've just inspired me to do that. I love that idea. <laughs> oh my gosh, you actually Oh my did. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You can't see this, but Tanya's just held up about six, seven books full of stickers. <laughs> That's amazing. You weren't kidding. Okay. Definitely checking in. <laughs> um, what's your favorite thing to do locally? 
My favorite thing to do locally? These are great questions. I don't know that I have a favorite thing to do locally, but I will say what I tend to do when I travel, I like doing, and it's because I have my son with me. We like taking those like tour buses. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to see a city really quickly, um, learn about the major, you know, landmarks without all the walking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's on my list to do that for Toronto this year. Cause I'm like, you know what? I'm sure there's some hidden gems that I don't, I don't know about and no yeah. one knows about. And um, TTC is annoying. So I will just pay someone else to drive me around on a bus and, uh, and do random things. So I would say maybe just discover and play. I, I think that that's just it. Like something random pops up. There's an event, there's a show, there's a thing. All right, let's go. Oh, oh. One of my favorite things, Christmas time at the distillery district. I think that that's an annual mm. tradition. Yeah. Because yeah, it's that's good. And it's magical. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. If you had a theme song, what would it be? Uh, probably anything Beyonce. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. Just <laughs> pick, pick one of her many, many songs. She just, um, she's just the epitome of, um, the ultimate creative and and powerful and owning your own voice and narrative, um, you know, like who drops a whole album out of nowhere in the middle of the night with seventeen videos? Like who does that and changes the face of everything there thereafter? Like that's that's great. First of all, the NDAs on her things must be. We will take your firstborn if you leak this because how do you shoot? 17 videos and record an album and then they drop and then like my mind my mind is always blown with all of her projects so (laughs) no but she's that that makes sense too and yeah I didn't realize she did that actually I knew that something had leaked but but nobody touched it yeah so her self-titled so two two three albums ago her self-titled album um that's how she dropped it it was literally Thursday at like Tuesday or Thursday at like midnight or something like just random like hey world hey by the way (laughs) like I'm not the most powerful but hey here you go I know oh I love that okay we have one last one for you and you said travel is a big thing for you if you could go anywhere okay we're in the middle of January right now we already said in the middle of the cold (laughs) Canadian winter if we could drop a hat right now and just go on a plane, wherever, where would you choose? I would want to pick someplace sunny because I'm black and I've missed the sun in Toronto in the past month and a half of no sun. <laughs> um, but I really, really want to see Paris this year. And I, I don't think I would care about time of year. I don't need it to, I don't need April, like springtime in Paris, as romantic as that sounds. I just, I just, there's something about, yeah, it's yeah. Paris is where I'd want to go and experience um, it. So we're partnered with Mud Girl and they do a Mud Girl Paris. You could go sign up for their Mud Girl run and just, just want to get out there. You never know. <laughs> we'll Google the Mud Girls. <laughs> yeah, Google the Mud Girls. Uh, okay, well, if you if you manage to get to Paris, please count us in. We will meet you there. We'd love yeah. to. <laughs> we will just we'll get an excuse all to travel. of the pastries and bread and drink yeah. all the that's the plan. <laughs> that and walking. That and- <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, okay. this 
was such a fun conversation. Thank you so much. I'm, I love that we got to learn a little bit more about you too. I mean, we we feel like we've known you for so long, but these little extras really uh, sweeten the deal. So thank you. And for anyone listening, please go find out more about finletu.com. Um, you can go to finletu.com, but go find out more about the conference coming up. You can also find out more about the Black Moms Connection community um, that Tanya has built. And really, just if this episode inspired you to do something in your own life, or you think it could be helpful for another woman in your life, please share, like, review, do all that crazy stuff, because the more we can support one another, the more we're supporting the greater community of women out there. So until we get to meet again, thank you so much, Tanya, for being here. And to everyone else, enjoy. We can't wait to be back with you on another episode. Thanks so much, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.